A lot can happen as time passes. Things change. You're not the same person you used to be. Life just looks different. Think about life five years from now. What will you be like? What will your life look like? What about us as a church? What will happen at NCC? Well, God has given us a clear picture of what will take place here at NCC in the next five years. And it's big. God's leading us to a place that we've never been before, to growth that we've never seen before, to growth that's not just additional, but growth that multiplies. We are the church. And as we step into this new season, God is calling each of us to multiply. NCC. How's everyone doing this morning? Good? It's good to see all of you here. And I know we mentioned this a moment ago, but if you're our guest, maybe someone invited you, maybe you just searched for churches near you um, online, or if you're watching this later this week online, we just want to welcome you and let you know we are so glad that you're here with us this morning. And if I haven't had a chance to personally meet you yet, my name is Aaron, and I'm the lead pastor here at New Community Church. And We're in our last week of this series called Multiply, where we've been talking about what God is challenging us to do um, over the next five years, what God is calling each of us to do. And so we've been looking at this goal that God has placed in front of us, and we've been saying this um, aloud together. So I want us to do that one more time this morning. Let's say this goal. um, We're going to put it up on this screen. By 2025, we will make 1,000 disciples across three NCC campuses. And that's what we're believing God is going to do inside of us. And so we started the first week at just looking at where do we begin to tackle a God-sized dream like that. And it starts with us examining our own lives and just asking that question, God, do I have a life worth reproducing? And so, Lord, make me new. God, change me. And then last week we said, Jesus is talking to you. And so he said, go and make disciples. And that's a command for each of us that God has called us to use our lives to go out and to make disciples of all nations. And so we talked about how Jesus did that. He opened up his life in deep relationship with others. And then also he had challenging spiritual conversations. He was willing to talk to people and help them grow in their relationship with God. And so he was willing to challenge them in that way. And as we make disciples, we want to do that as well. And so this morning, we're going to continue this conversation, and I'm titling this message, if you're taking notes, We Are the Church. We Are the Church. Turn to the person next to you and say that. We Are the Church. And I hope you came ready this morning for God to speak to you and to challenge you, because I believe God wants to encourage us this morning of what that looks like, the picture that he's dreaming of, of the church, and what that means for each of us. You know, when we started to look at this, the heart behind this goal that we have and God calling us to make a thousand disciples, there's some things that we knew. And if you're new to NCC, maybe um, you haven't discovered these fully yet, but we never want to be a church where you're just a face in the crowd. That's not our heart. A matter of fact, we talk about it every week that we want you to be known. We want you to come into this place and feel like you belong. And not that you're just some number in a large crowd, but that people know you and they care about you and they want to know who you are. We're also not a church that 
we say, hey, it's okay just to come sit. We want you to serve. We want you to use what God has placed in your life. As I look across this room, there are so many unique gifts and talents and experiences. We want you to use what God has done inside of your life to impact others and to make a difference in others. And so we could, as we looked at this, as we continue to grow, just try to maybe have a bigger building and fit more people in this place. But we said, no, we want everyone to be known. The heart behind this, we want everyone to be able to use their gifts and talents. And so God, we want to take what you're doing here and we want to multiply that in other places. And God, we want you to do that in other locations. What you're doing here, we want to take that in other places. And so as we were looking at that, we started to ask the question and begin to wrestle through, well, what is it that we're multiplying? What does it mean to be the church? What does it look like? And what is it that God was dreaming of when all of this started? And so I want to take you on a quick history of the church and and what this looks like. If you've ever seen the YouTube video, The History of Dance, it's going to kind of be like that, except there's no music and you don't want me to dance, okay? So just follow along with me. We're going to go all the way back to the beginning and kind of take us to where we're currently at. This started as just this organic grassroots movement. Jesus stood in front of um, his 11 disciples. He said, go and make disciples. And they went out and they just began to do what Jesus said. They took what Jesus had placed in their life and they began to share that with everyone around them. And so the church is born and it grows. And through persecution, God kind of pushes them out of their comfort zone in Jerusalem and now in Antioch, now in Iconium, now in all of these other cities in Rome, this thing is spreading everywhere and you can't contain the church. It's growing, and it's moving, and it's this organic movement. Everyone is going and doing what Jesus said, going and making disciples, sharing what God has done in their life. And that's why you get what we talked about on that very first week, statements like, hey, these are the people that have turned the world upside down. These Christians, the church, they're everywhere. And this statement of all of Asia had heard the word of the Lord because the believers had begun to make disciples, exactly what Jesus said. And you read statements from Roman leaders like in 111 AD, um, Plinius, the governor of Bithynia, he said this, hey, the pagan temples, they're empty. He's writing to Caesar and he says, Caesar, we have a problem because we built these monuments to all these Roman gods. We built these monuments to you, Caesar, and now they're empty because of the church because of what the Christians are doing. And you see Tertullian in 197, he said, there's not a place in the Roman empire where Christians have not populated. You have these Roman officials writing to each other saying, what do we do about the church? We don't know how to stop this thing. We're imprisoning them. We're beating them. They're putting them in stadiums and releasing wild beasts on them. They're crucifying them and lining the road with crosses saying, this is what happens if you follow Jesus. And yet it only continues to grow. They're like, we can't slow it down. We can't stop the church. And so they're puzzled at what do you do with the people that are so in love with Jesus that they're willing to lay down their life? What do you do with the group of believers that are so in love with each other and they're so committed to each other that they'll give, they'll sacrifice, they'll do whatever they can to meet the needs of those around them? How do you stop that movement? And God's church was just this organic thing that was just spreading like wildfire across the Roman Empire until around 300 A.D., And if you remember back to history class, you may remember this, that there's this Roman emperor named Constantine, and he felt like God had helped him win this battle. And so he says, hey, wait a minute, Christianity is legal now. You don't have to hide. 
You don't have to disguise it. Like you can worship God out in the open. And when that happened, something shifted in the church. And so you go to Greek um, where the church was being built in, in Greece. And all of a sudden the church became less about doing and it came more about thinking. And there were all these amazing philosophers and all of these thoughts. And so to be a Christian meant that you had the right ideas and the right thought pattern. But people weren't as concerned anymore with really doing what Jesus had said. In the Roman Empire, you had this political structure. You had the Senate and you had these generals and then you had Caesar. And so the church kind of began to reflect Rome. And you had these bishops and these archbishops and these cardinals and the popes. And now it wasn't everyone going to make disciples. The leadership of the church will kind of do that. And they'll take that on for us. And then you fast forward to the Middle Ages, and you had these small kind of kingdoms. And um, you may have seen movies like that where, where you see this king, and he's over all of the servants or the serfs, and they pay taxes, and they, the king will protect them from anyone that will raid them or anyone that will attack them. And so the church once again followed suit. And you had these beautiful cathedrals, these beautiful buildings where people would come and pay money. And whoever that bishop was, was kind of their spiritual protector. And there was even this dark period in the church where people would pay money for sin. Like if I give you this money, then you'll forgive me for whatever my sin is. And then you come to our time, to where we're at. And this picture of the church in our culture is consumer driven. Because that's the way our world is. Everything is about the consumer. It's individualistic. And if you don't like the food at a certain restaurant, well, you'll just go somewhere else where the service is better. And we've brought that mindset into the church. Well, the church is here to meet my needs, really, right? And if I don't like the programs that the church has, if they don't make me feel good, if someone doesn't say hi to me, like if the church really doesn't do what I want it to, then I'll just go somewhere else. I mean, you don't even have to go that far because our city is full of churches. And so I'll just keep going until I find one that makes me feel good. And you guys, that's so far from this original picture of what the church was. That's so distant from this grassroots movement that the culture around them is saying, we don't know how to stop this thing. And what do we do? Because it just keeps spreading and it just keeps growing. We can't do anything to stop them. It, it's so far from that. We began with the church as someone that was changing and affecting the culture around them. And now we're just a church that reflects the culture around us. And we look more like them sometimes than the picture of what God was dreaming of. And as we look at multiplying this thing, what we have to stop and ask is, God, are we going to multiply the right things? Are we going to reproduce the right things, God, what you were dreaming of? When you started all of this, what you were planning for, God, and what you imagined in your mind, God, that's the kind of church that we want to become. And when we talk about three campuses, God, we want to make sure that all of those reflect your image and your dream for the church and what this should look like. And so we're going to open up the scripture and look at what God was dreaming for us. And if you have your Bibles, turn this morning to Acts chapter 2, and we're going to start reading in verse um, 42. And we're going to look at this, this idea that we are the church and what God is calling us to. And so if you didn't bring a Bible with you, there is a blue Bible in the seat in front of you. And you can turn to page um, 531 or just take out your smartphone and you can Google Acts chapter 2 and you will get there um, with us. And if you've never read the book of Acts before, it's this story that takes place um, right after the death 
and resurrection of Jesus. It kind of picks up right after that moment. And we even see one of the last conversations that Jesus has with his disciples. And he says, go and wait in Jerusalem for my spirit. I'm going back to my father in heaven, but I'm not going to abandon you. I'm not just leaving you here. I'm going to give you my spirit. And so they did. They waited for God's spirit. God poured his spirit on them. And something crazy happens. There's these signs and wonders that accompany God's spirit being poured out. And this crowd of people begin to gather around because they're seeing something amazing. They're seeing these disciples of Christ begin to speak in other languages that they didn't know. And they're like, man, that's really odd. And so they think, well, maybe they're drunk because it's the middle of the day in the morning and they're praising God. And so Peter stands up and says, we're not drunk. This is what God promised. And this is because Jesus, who you crucified, was resurrected. And now he is God's salvation to us as his people. Like he's bringing forgiveness of sins. And you guys need to repent. You need to commit your life to Christ. And so they do. 3,000 people on this one day are all of a sudden, they become followers of Christ. And this is the church being born. And so we get this picture right at the start of the church of what this looks like. And this is what it says. Acts chapter 2, verse 42 in the church, they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and the fellowship and to the breaking of bread and the prayers. And awe came over every soul and many wonders and signs were being done through the apostles. And all who believed were together and they had all things in common. And so they were selling their possessions and belongings and distributing the proceeds to all as any had need. And day by day, they attended the temple together breaking bread in their homes, and they received their food with glad and generous hearts, praising God and having favor with all the people. And the Lord added to their number day by day those who were being saved. So this is the very first picture that we get of the church. This is what God was dreaming of. This is how this starts. And I want us to look at this idea. What does it mean to be part of the church? Well, we are the church. We are the church and not just because we come and sit in this room. We're not the church just because you happen to be here on a Sunday morning um, between 9.30 and 10.45. That's not what makes us the church, but we are the church when we have this picture right here that God is painting, and it's when God's word works in us. Do you understand that? The very first disciples, what are they doing? They're devoting themselves to the teachings of Jesus. So what it was that the apostles were saying, this is what it meant to be part of the church. Now you need to understand Jerusalem is full of people that could tell you who Jesus was, what Jesus taught, like they knew this. There were crowds of people that heard the parables, that saw Jesus do some amazing things. But what separated the church, what made them different, what made them stand out is not that they just heard Jesus talk, but that word had gotten inside of them and it was beginning to change them, and it was beginning to alter their life. They looked different from the crowds around them that knew who Jesus was and knew what Jesus said, because in their life, they were acting different. They were thinking different. Their life reflected a different pattern because God's word had gotten inside of them. And when you look up what's being expressed here, it's this idea that this word is alive. And that's why Paul, one of the writers of the Bible, he says this, it's like the word's living inside of you, and it's working in you. And it's getting so deep down in your life that it begins to divide your motive from your actions. It can tell the intent of your heart like it's working inside of you. And to be part of the church doesn't mean you sit in this room and we listen to Pastor Aaron get really excited about something. And hey, so that means I'm part of the church. It's when you take what God is speaking to us 
and you allow it to enter into your life. And it begins to alter things. It begins to change things. Students, it's when you're sitting in that classroom and everyone else is laughing at something and you're like, wait, that doesn't feel right. Why? It's because God's word is working in you. Adults, it's when you're around your friends and family members and they're saying, hey, this happened and so this is what I'm gonna do. And everything inside of you is screaming, no, that's not God's plan, that's not God's design. Why? Because God's word is working inside of you. That's what it means to be the church. It's when you're in those situations and all of a sudden scripture comes to your mind. Now, maybe you can't say, well, it's in Acts chapter two, verse 40, but it's working inside of you. It's doing its job. It's starting to change you and transform you. And that's why we say over and over again, scripture shapes our lives. It's not just some neat thing to say, but it's because that's what it means to be part of the church. That's what this looks like when we open up our lives and God's word is inside of us and we're not just hearing it, but it's changing us and we're applying it. That's what it looks like to be the church, not just to sit in some service, but where we begin to wrestle, God, what are you speaking to me? And what does this need to look like? I'll never forget when I was just a young boy, I heard this Christian speaker said this and he said, sitting in this building together here doesn't make you a Christian it doesn't make you part of the church any more than sitting in McDonald's makes you a Big Mac. Like it, it doesn't do that, right? You can't sit in McDonald's and say, hey, I'm a Big Mac just because you're there. And you can't sit in this room and think, hey, I'm the church just because you're present here. To be part of the church means that you've opened up your life to the word of God, that your life looks different because God's word is shaping you and it's forming you and it's altering who you are. This is the picture of the church. It's when God's word works inside of each of us and we're allowing ourselves to be shaped and changed by that word. That's the picture of the church. That's when we are the church. There's something else that we see here. It says, and they devoted themselves to fellowship, to the breaking of bread and prayers. See, we are the church when we have deep relationships with one another. We are the church when we have deep relationships with one another. Now that word fellowship, that's not something we say a lot, right? Like if you're going to hang out with someone, you're not like, hey, we're gonna fellowship together. It's, we just don't use that in our culture. But what it means is that you're part of a community, that there are other people, once again, that you have deep friendships with, and that there's this common goal there's a common purpose. There's this common um, plan and practices that are there together in your life. You're connected in this. And what we do is sometimes we mistakenly think, hey, I'm part of the church because I'm sitting next to someone, right? I'm here on a Sunday morning and I'm sitting together with other people that I think believe in Jesus. And so that makes me a part of the church. But you sit next to people all the time, right? You sit next to people at your work that doesn't always mean deep friendship. Sometimes it's deep frustration, right? Like you're, you're mad at them or students, if you're in that classroom or at work, right? People can frustrate you. So just being close to someone, I go to the movie theaters all the time, but I'm not in community with those people that I'm in that room with. But yet sometimes we think that of like, oh, this makes me a part of the church because I came and sat in this room and it doesn't. We're part of the church when we begin to lean in and we begin to develop those deep friendships where listen to me, you stop coming into this room and sitting here by yourself and you start coming into this room and sitting with everyone else, that you're a part of this, that it looks like friendships, it looks like relationships, you're in this together. And can I tell you, this was God's plan all along. 
This is what God dreamed of. And Paul says this in Colossians chapter 1. He said, this is the mystery of the ages. It's like God's been hiding this away, the idea of the church, for so long. But in this moment, he chooses to reveal this. And why? Because it blows people's mind. That in a room like this, you could take people from so many diverse backgrounds and we could be connected. And that's why it's this picture of a new humanity. And as you read through this, the Bible, after the time of Jesus, you get words like this, family of faith. That even though we may have not known each other before we came to Christ, but now there's this deep connection. We're in this thing together, that we're a body. We're moving and we're functioning with one purpose and one desire. And that's why there's this crazy idea that in a room like this, you can have a Steelers fan, you can have Cowboys fans, you can have Packers fans. Okay, boo. And none of us are playing next week, so it doesn't really matter, okay? But we're, we're connected in this thing together, you guys. And some of those differences, they begin to disappear. Do you hear this in a world that's so divided over race? in a world that's so divided over culture, in a world that's so divided by our socioeconomic status, like, do you have more than me? Um, Do I have more possessions or a bigger bank account? Those things that typically divide us, it blows the world's mind that we can get together and say, none of that really matters. We're together around one common purpose and one common practice, and we're doing this thing together. Why? Because we're the church. That's what Jesus has called us to be. That's what God was dreaming of, you guys. That's what God was believing for. That's what he's planning for. And that's what it looks like inside of our lives. And so what are these guys doing? Well, they didn't know each other before, but now they're saying, hey, let's eat dinner together. Hey, let's hang out. Let's spend time together. And whatever's going on in your life, like, I want to know that. It's in moments like on Tuesday night of this past week where this place is full and we're praying together. And it's so encouraging to my faith Even after serving God all of these years, when I hear you guys lifting up your voice and I hear you crying out for people in our community and for what God wants to do in our lives and for us making disciples, like it encourages me. That's what he's saying is it's not just about sitting next to each other. It's not just about occupying some seat in this room. No, we are the church. We're a picture of what God was dreaming of when that becomes alive in us and we become a community. And we're saying, God, we're headed in the same direction, Lord. We're going about this, Lord, the same way. God, you have that same purpose and that same calling inside of our life. That's what it means. And so they're eating meals together. They're praying together. They're spending time together. It's not a chore. It's not a task. They're saying we want to be around one another. There's one last picture here that we see when we look at the church that God is dreaming of, and it's this. We are the church when we use what God has given us to meet the needs of others. We are the church when we use what God has given us to meet the needs of others. So what we see here in the scripture, and this is absolutely crazy, is that these people, once again, that are not connected before, they don't know each other, and now they come to Christ, and now they're in this community together. They start to say, God, whatever it is that I have, if someone else needs it, I'll give it. And this is a, it's a financial thing is what they're doing here. They're, they're selling some of their possessions and they're saying, hey, if you have a need, I want to help meet that need. And I don't want to spend a lot of time on this because I want to get to kind of the principle and the heart of this. But let me say this. If you call NCC your church home, you need to be giving generously to the church. That's part of our spiritual growth. And we talk about that a lot, but, 
But I believe this. It's, it's not just saying, hey, I know the church needs money. I'm going to give it. It's part of me saying, God, I'm going to trust you with my finances. And everything you've given me, God, it really comes from you. And so I honor you in that way. And I'm not going to say a lot more, but start to do that if you're not doing that. But what we see taking place here is that these believers are saying, God, what you've placed in my hand, kind of metaphorically, God, what you've given me, if I see anyone in need, God, I'm going to help meet that need. I'm going to help answer, God, what's going on in that person's life. That's the kind of individual. And it may cost me something. I may have to sacrifice. It may mean something, but that's what I'm going to do. And can I tell you that the sad truth is that so many of us here as the church, this is what we're doing week in and week out. We're closing our hand to God and to others. Some of us, that's what we're doing. We're closing our hand to God and to others. Because there are those of you in this room, God's placed something in your life. There are some of you, you are amazing teachers. And yet you come, just sit in this room. God, what's, what do I get out of this, Lord? What does this mean for me? And God's saying, I want you to open your hand. For some of you, you're amazing with kids. Like kids just love to be around you. But when you come to church, you're okay with just sitting here. Some of you, you've been through some situations and there are some students that gather here on Wednesday nights. They need to hear your story. They need to know what you've walked through, what God's brought you through. But week after week, this is what you're doing. God, I'm okay where I'm at. Some of you, you're great at making people feel welcome. And yet you come into this place and you just try to receive and you're closing your hand, what God has given you, to those around you. And the writers of the New Testament, they talked about this in Romans chapter 12 and 1 Corinthians chapter 12 through 14. They're saying God's put gifts in all of your lives. He's placed gifts inside of you. He's put them in there for the edification, for the encouragement of the body of Christ. What you have, other people in this church need. And you guys, we cannot be a church that sits here week after week with our hand closed saying, God, I'm comfortable. I'm good. I feel good when I leave church, so I'm okay. No, we need to become a church that's opening up our hand. And I'm dreaming of the day, you guys, where we have more kids workers than we know what to do with. Where there's people lining from the edge of the parking lot all the way into these seats saying, hey, I'm here to make you feel welcome. And yes, it may be a sacrifice. You may have to come early. You may sit through one service and then serve at the next. But, but it's saying, God, whatever you've placed in my hand, God, whatever you've given me, you've done something in my life. And to be part of the church means that I take what you've given me and I start to meet the needs of others. This is no longer just about me, God. I'm here to serve your kingdom. I'm here to build your church. See, that's what it looks like to truly be part of the church. And there's all these questions that I know come to our mind when we hear this goal week after week. By 2025, we'll make a thousand disciples across three campuses. There may be ideas of like, what will the building look like? Where will those locations be? This is not about finding someone that can talk good and putting them on a stage. This is not about finding some great musicians that can sing and putting them on a stage and hoping we can get a crowd. This is about multiplying the right things. This is about being the church that Jesus dreamed of. This is about a group of believers that are saying, God, your word can get inside of me and it can change me, Lord, and it's gonna impact the communities around me. It's about being a group of people that say, hey, we're here for each other. We're committed in deep relationships. We're in this thing together. We're here for one another. And it's about saying, God, whatever you place in my life, I'm gonna use it to serve others. I'm gonna give to others. I'm gonna sacrifice for others. 
That's the church that Jesus is dreaming of. That's what we're talking about, multiplying and becoming who God has called us to be. And so I wanna pray for us this morning. I'm gonna ask if you would take a moment and just bow your head and close your eyes. And I wanna challenge you in this room. You may be here this morning and maybe your idea of church was coming here and just sitting kind of through a service and that somehow God would love you more or God would think better of you, but that's not what we see in scripture. Maybe your idea of a relationship with Jesus was just being present here on a Sunday morning, but that's not what God wants. He did all of this because he wants a relationship with you. He's wanting to get closer to you. He's wanting to get to know you and he's wanting you to know him. And for some of us, we're trying so hard to fix our lives on our own. And then we think, God, when I get it all together, then I'll come to you, Lord. Then I can really plug in and be a part of the church. And he's saying, no, I want you as you are. And scripture is very clear. We can't fix ourselves, you guys. We've all sinned. We've all disobeyed God. And we can't fix that on our own. And so God invites us to come to him. And it's through what Jesus did on the cross that we can have a new life. We can have a fresh start. We can have a new beginning. And if that's you, if you've had the wrong idea of church, maybe you've been sitting here, but you've not really been engaged, or maybe you've had the wrong idea about a relationship with God, but this morning you're saying, Aaron, I want it to be different. I want what you've talked about, and I want what God has for me. If that's you in this room with no one looking around, would you just lift up your hand, and then you can put it back down. I want to pray for you this morning. Thank you. Thank you. After you lift it up, thank you. You can put it back down. Thank you. And I'm just gonna lead us in a prayer. And Right where you're at, I want you to have a conversation with God. Talk to God about what he's challenging you with. Be honest with him about what's going on in your life. If there's sin there, confess that to him and ask for his forgiveness. Let's pray together this morning. Jesus, Lord, I thank you for the truth of your word, God, that you were dreaming and you were picturing something better than we could have ever imagined, God, when you called us to yourself. And Lord, my prayer is that you would help us, God, not just make church about a service time or about a building or a location, God, but we would be the kind of church that you're dreaming of. And Lord, for those of us that have had the wrong idea of who you are, God, or what you're doing in our life, God, my prayer is that you would begin to renew us, God, and transform us and change us. God, take away the sin that's been present in our life, Lord. We can't fix ourselves, God. And my prayer this morning, Lord, is that you would God, make us new, give us a brand new start. And God, let us be the church that you're calling us to be. You have a plan and a purpose for every single person in this room. God, you're calling us to yourself, God. We wanna live out that plan. And God, we pray this in your name, amen. Church, can we just put our hands together and celebrate for what God's doing in our life? And we're gonna take another moment and just respond this morning. And so I'm gonna ask you to take out the cards um, that we filled out earlier. So I wrote a few things on mine. Um, if you have your smartphone and you're taking notes on that, you can just grab that. And we wanna listen how God is challenging us to respond and what God's calling us to. And I'm gonna give you a few things. Some of these are just um, what we looked at last week. And then I wanna challenge you in a new way as well is we're saying, God, we're 100% in. This is all of us saying, God, we want to be a part of what you're doing and God, what you're calling us to be as your church. And so for many of you, I expect to see you back here tonight and that you're saying, Aaron, I, 
I want to be discipled. I want to grow. I want God to do something in my life so that I can make disciples. And we're going to walk you through practically what that's going to look like and how we can start that. So if that's you saying, hey, I want to be on this ground floor, um, I want to encourage you, be here tonight at the town hall meeting. It's at 6 p.m. We talked about that. For others of you in this room, we talked about discipleship, this process of making disciples. It happens in relationship. And if you're saying, Aaron, I'm 100% in, I'm all here with you, but but I want to start in September when you guys have a little bit of the things worked out, you know, when you've walked through this a little bit, um, then we're asking you to be here with us on February 9th at GroupLink and just to start to develop some of those relationships, to stop just sitting in a seat on a Sunday morning and do what we talked about where we're saying, hey, we're connected to each other and I'm going to get to know you and we're going to have conversations just about life and about faith and we're going to challenge each other and open up scripture together. These are going to be a great few Sunday nights together in a row where we're just going to connect with one another and build those relationships. And the last thing that I want to challenge you with is there are too many of us that have just been sitting here Sunday after Sunday and God's put something in your hand and other people need it. They need what God's done in your life. Someone else's faith, someone else's eternity may be dependent on you opening up and saying, God, use my life. I'll sacrifice, I'll give, I'll serve at the church, Lord. I'll do what you're calling me to do. And so on this card in a moment, when we pause here in a second, you may need to write down, I need to talk to someone about welcoming people. I need to ask about helping out with our kids. I need to find out about serving our students. I wanna sing on the worship team or I wanna be part of the worship team. I wanna be part of production. There are so many ways. I wanna help out during the week administratively I have gifts of administration, so I want to come and serve behind the scenes here at the church. Whatever God's speaking to you, take a moment and say, God, what have you placed in my hand? And God, how can I use that to meet the needs of others, God, and to build your kingdom and to build your church? And so we're going to do that. Just take a moment again. You may have written this last week. God, what is it? Is it the town hall meeting? Is it group leak? How can I plug into this goal that you've placed in front of us? And then, God, do I have something there in my hand that you're calling me to use to serve others? So we're going to take a moment, and I just want you to think about that, listen to God, and then fill that out. Hi, all. Um, my name is Glenn Bradley, for those that don't know me. And I'm Lakeitha Bradley, and our focus for today was God's dream for the church. And as we were preparing for today, I began to think about how it's so hard to stay focused on God's vision for the church when everything else is always fighting for our attention, how it's a constant battle in our minds of what to say yes to, what should I say no to, should I be all in, or should I just sit and wait? And how from the time we wake up in the morning, it's a constant, I mean, it's a, we're just bombarded with invitations and solicitations, emails, texts, group texts, amen? And then there's bills and worries and just responsibilities, obligations, and on and on. So I thought about, I was like, okay, they come from our jobs, our friends, our coworkers. They even come from the church, amen? So how do we choose? How do we prioritize? How do we keep from worrying and staying focused on God's vision for the church? How do we choose? And I found the, uh, the uh, answer in Matthew 6, 31 through 34. It says, don't worry, saying, what shall we eat or what shall we drink or what shall we wear? For the pagans seek after all these things, and your heavenly Father knows that you need them. 
But seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be given to you. Therefore, do not worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will take care of itself. Amen. Notice, Jesus, he didn't say that he might take care of us. He said that he will take care of us. The plans that he has for the church, don't worry about how it's going to be done. He said, just take care of my business. Take care of kingdom business. And if you take care of my business, I'll take care of your business. Proverbs 29, 18 says, where there is no vision, the people perish. Well, yeah, so that's actually a really stern warning. I mean, imagine this. I'll make it literal for you. <clears throat> the people with no, pur with no purpose will be terminated, right? I mean, that's tough, right? It's pretty blunt and straightforward. But here's the thing. Everything, everyone has a purpose, right? So, I mean, if you don't serve your purpose, what's going to happen? Here's a practical story, right? Um, one day, Jesus is walking out with his disciples, and he's hungry. And so he sees uh, some fig trees out in the distance. And as he approaches these fig trees, he focuses suspiciously on one of them, and he notices that um, it doesn't have any figs. So he turns to his disciples and he says, does these trees have any figs on them? And they say, well, no, out of all of these fig trees, this one tree doesn't have figs on it. And so the story goes on to say, I mean, this is actually one of the few documented times where Jesus loses his cool. He says, well, since this tree doesn't have any figs on it, let's just pluck it out, extinguish it. I think it's important that we see the turn of the cheek Jesus react this way. It's super important because it's, 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 it shows us how important it is for us to bear fruit. So I think there was a, uh, there was a point that he was trying to make, right? Um, there's a lesson that we that we can learn from this. There's a self-assessment lesson. We are here to be productive. We're here to be of value. We're here to bear fruit. So um, we're here to produce fruit that would nourish those that are around us. It could be so much as a phone call. It could be an encouraging word. It could be a handwritten note. It could be anything, right? So how do you bear fruit? Uh, so this morning, let's be sure that we are serving our purpose that we're being of value, that we're bearing fruit, that we're nourishing those that are around us. Uh, I, I, would, I would venture to challenge you to be more deliberate about how you bear fruit, right? I would ask myself, ask yourself, what am I doing to bear fruit that's here, that, that, that can nourish those that are around me? How do I make a difference in somebody's life? Am I just going to sit back and, 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 and see somebody suffer? Or am I going to sit back and not make a difference? Just like Pastor Aaron said, you know, this could be the last moment that somebody has and you have an opportunity to make a difference in their life, in their life, right? So um, with that, again, I would just challenge you and I would encourage you, be more deliberate about how you plan to make a difference. You mind if we pray together? Father, in the name of Jesus, we praise and we magnify you. We thank you for your goodness, your mercy, your grace. We thank you that you have given us breath in our lungs, that you have given us another opportunity to make a difference in somebody's life. Let us not squander it. Let us not squander that opportunity, Lord. I pray, oh God, that you would touch each and every person's heart and their mind this day, oh God, that we be more deliberate about how we plan, about how we make a difference going into this future. For we give you glory and honor in Jesus' name. Amen.
Thanks for listening to this week's message. This week, take some time and reflect on the gifts and the talents that God has given you that you can use to serve others in the church. And stay tuned for our new series coming up called He Said, She Said, all about relationships. Here at NCC, we are all about making people and places new, and we want to know how we can help you grow in your faith. Connect with us online at newcommunity.co. We would love to hear from you.